You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and on today's episode, I am so excited to welcome Robin Landa. Robin is a distinguished professor at Keene University, USA, and a globally recognized ideation expert. She is a well-known creativity guru and a best-selling author of 25 books on creativity, design, and advertising, including the book we're going to be talking about today, The New Art of Ideas, Unlock Your Creative Potential. She has won numerous awards, and the Carnegie Foundation counts her among the great teachers of our time. Robin, welcome to the show. I'm honored to be here with you, Heather. Thank you so much. Why don't we spend a few minutes with you introducing yourself to the audience, telling them a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and what was the catalyst for writing this book? I hold the title of Distinguished Professor at King University, as you said, uh, King USA, because we do have a campus in China as well. But I'm on the I'm on the USA campus, and I've been teaching for a long time. I'm very seasoned in academia. I came to um, academia through the visual arts. I have degrees in in painting and art history, and then I went back to school to learn visual communication, and I got jobs in advertising and in graphic design. And then I went back into teaching. And so I, I, I love teaching. I love writing. I love teaching. I love training aspiring art directors and graphic designers. And with the book that you most recently published, the reason I was so excited to have you on today's episode is it just aligns so seamlessly with doctoral students, people working on a large capstone project who also happen to be leaders in their field. So what I was hoping we could do here is start, let's start at the very beginning. Let's start with how do you unlock this creative potential? And I was hoping you would share some of your golden habits with us. Absolutely. I think your listeners will be very familiar with a couple of the things I'm going to say because it crosses over into being a leader in a career. And one is having courage and and not engaging in any negative self-talk. In other words, saying, well, I'm not a creative person because we all can adopt creative traits and we can all be creative and tap into our creative potential. And the other one, which is very, very important, is curiosity. Being a curious person and wondering about things and trying to understand things. And especially, and I know this is difficult for doctoral students, that you go outside of your own vertical, that you're not only an expert in your own field, but you're curious and interested in other subjects in other areas or just curious. I'll, I'll give you an example. Scott Carlton, who is, was an executive creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi, a very big worldwide agency, was taking his prescription medicine one day and he was curious as to what happens to the small plastic bottles once we're done with them. Because he was curious, he looked it up and realized that they are not, and I don't know if anybody knows this, I didn't know this, they're not recycled because they're too small. 
And so they just go into toxic landfill. And so he thought, we really need to do something about this. And he investigated it. He put a team together and they created the first paper pill bottle that is completely non-toxic and biodegradable and compostable. This idea of curiosity is something that I am fascinated with. I would maybe even go so far as to say obsessed with. Dr. Peter Williams was on talking about this on an earlier episode. Sometimes what I see as a faculty member is students who are so, you know, diligent and and want to be the great student and kind of make sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. They lose this sense of being curious. Yes, it's, it's, it's crucial. Yeah, I mean, I can give you another example, uh, one that everybody will know, which is uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the great composer, lyricist, writer of Hamilton. He had just finished In the Heights off Broadway, his first musical, and it was about to go to Broadway. And he had been working on it for years and he needed a vacation. And he and his family were going to go to a beach in Mexico. And instead of picking up a traditional beach read, right, which a lot of us think of as a light novel, a light read, he picked up the biography of Alexander Hamilton. And if he had not been curious about American history, none of us would be so inspired by his creation of Hamilton. And then we can go into the next golden habit that he has. Um, and then most very creative people have, which is here he is, he's curious, he's reading about American history. And he's, as he's reading about Hamilton, he's thinking, what if, which is a key question, what if we told the story of the founding fathers in hip hop, in rap? And so by posing this what if question, he came up with this brilliant idea. And what if is a very, very important question. And if your listeners have families and they're sitting around the dinner table, it's a fun question to go around the dinner table and pose. What if we could clone ourselves and that clone did all the drudgery, did all that drudgery work? What if we could fly? What if? So all these possibilities, science fiction writers always pose the what if question. In fact, Neil Gaiman, the great science fiction writer, has that on his blog. When he went to visit a a children's class, they said, how do you come up with your ideas? And first he said, well, I really can't explain. And then he thought, well, these are children. I really have to tell that I do. And he said, I pose questions such as what if or if only, or if we do this, then we could do that. And what if, I would argue, could be a key question for the difference between reading a journal article or reading an edited book and just barely getting the superficial gist of it and really reading it and absorbing it and synthesizing it on a level that's required when you're in a doctoral program. So to read read a study and say, well, I, w- I wonder what if they did this study in another country? Or what if they did this study 10 years ago? Or what if they used a different measure? Oh, absolutely. And what if we did, what if we did it again? What if we had different measurements? What if we had different audience? What if it were a bigger study or a smaller study or we used triplets or a... Right, exactly. Because sometimes I think you get into academia and you're kind of going along 
you know how to hit the marks, you know how to perform. And this idea of creativity may be something that either seems, like you said, oh, you know, people might say, oh, I'm an academic, I'm a mathematician, or, you know, I'm not creative, or almost a luxury. Like, I don't have time to be curious about the world. I'm working on this that's right in front of me. And so for all you listeners out there, I want to encourage you to take a deep breath and tap into your curiosity because I promise you, it is going to help you get closer to what that topic is, what that thing is that's going to be your capstone product, which will likely be a springboard to something that you're going to do in your career. Because once you unlock this potential and you start realizing your creativity is there, maybe it's just something you haven't paid attention to or you've maybe been ignoring and you're becoming more aware, then it allows you to really create these questions that are worthwhile. And Robin, you have a process, and I'd love for you to give us a little background on how your process is the first novel process since the 50s. Yes, thank you for asking. It's called the three Gs, and it is the first new framework for idea generation. And I'm so happy to be with you because your listeners will absolutely understand it as soon as I say it. Um, their three Gs are goal, gap, and gain. And your goal is what you want to achieve. And, and a lot of people think that that already is the idea, but it's not. It, it's a goal. The second part is what I'm really so excited to tell your audience about, and that's the gap. And when all of us do a literature search, we're not only looking to see what we want to do, but can we fill a gap? Is there a void in the discipline? How can we move the discipline forward by what we write about and research? And the gap can be anything. It can be a new system. It can be a new process. It can be looking at an unexamined audience or a completely or, or, or a partially ignored audience. It can be a new method of delivery. So if you think about Dr. Katie Carrico and Dr. Weissman, who went against the star chamber, went against traditional thinking to investigate a new way to deliver medicine, which is messenger RNA. That's a gap. Yep. There was no delivery system using messenger RNA. So it can be anything in that gap area. And then the, the third G is gain. And what do we gain? What, what benefit is there for individuals, society, or the planet? If we pursue this avenue, if we pursue this gap, and if you put the goal, the gap, and the gain together, you now have what I would consider a worthwhile idea because it's not just about, especially if you think about it in terms of business and people's career, it's not just about profit, but where we're thinking about the impact on people and the planet and creatures. And I love this idea of adding worthwhile. Anyone can come up with an idea. <laughs> The question is, is it worthwhile to pursue, whether it's in your family life, your place of business, or your doctoral program? So, Robin, I'm curious, do you recommend kind of a journal method where you, you know, write the three G's and you actually write out, here's the goal that I'm thinking about, and you bring it through in a very linear fashion? I think it depends on the person, but I think writing it down, especially if you're a researcher, can help solidify it for you, or or it starts to um, once you use your hand, whether you're typing or your your handwriting, you're using more parts of your brain, and so 
I think the outcomes are better. I mean, I find that writing actually helps me think because I'm using my hands and hands actually use a quite bit of big part of the brain. So I, I'm a fan of writing things down and then you let it incubate. You go take a walk, you take a shower, talk to friends, see a great film, read a novel and let it incubate in your mind and then come back to it. And I think those two things you just shared may be something that listeners haven't done for a while. I am a big fan. I've had some guests on that say, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think writing, you know, picking up a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper actually helps me, but <laughs> I don't know, anecdotally. And there's a little bit of research out there that different neural pathways are firing when you're actually putting pen to paper. So what happens when you close your computer, get out a piece of paper, write down three G's, goal, gap, gain, and work through some different ideas. And then this incubation, this is not something that's written into curriculum. I, I mean, any curriculum that I've been, I, I should say that I know of, maybe it is in some programs. And if you have a program out there where they actually ask you to incubate your ideas, I'd love to hear from you. But that is an important step that I think gets skipped over because people think they don't have time, but it's a necessary step if you want your idea to be worthwhile. Absolutely. And you even need to allow your mind to wander, which is part of the incubation. And there are studies about that. Your listeners can look up about the importance of mind wandering, especially for create for creativity. And that's why taking a walk uh, or sitting on a park bench and not having anything with you, not a book, anything, just sitting and thinking can allow incubation to happen. Or for me, it often happens when I'm driving or taking a shower or actually watching a really good film because I start to see how somebody else was thinking and I reverse engineer as I'm watching. But I think you're absolutely right. We do need to take the time to allow it to sit. And students will ask me, what do I think of their solution in the classroom? And sometimes I can answer right away, but if it's a really really top student with a really important piece, I'll say, let me sleep on it and I'll come back to you mm. tomorrow because I need time to think. I need time to let it sit with me. Even a night will help. And so maybe some of the things that you've been doing as a student or a faculty member maybe sounds like or looks like or you've called it procrastination. But Robin here is inviting us to maybe reframe some of our behaviors and give us permission to do things like sit on a bench, go for a walk, say, I would like to sleep on this because it's going to lead to a better outcome in terms of really looking at this idea and deciding where to take it next. Yeah. I mean, if you're procrastinating and you're thinking it's going to get easier if you come back to it tomorrow, that's not great. But if you're, if you're putting it off and saying, let me think, let it incubate. I think that that's great. But yes, you're right. I'm giving them permission to, to take a walk. And actually, if you take a walk with a friend and talk about it, walking and talking will de-stress you. According to my friend, Dr. Barbara Bloom, who's a, an esteemed psychologist, she always says, if you're stressed, take a walk and talk. And I think that is a great practical tip because if you're stressed, we know you lose access 
to your prefrontal cortex, which is exactly the part of the brain you need, right, to really vet ideas, to make sure they're worthwhile. And for better or for worse, a doctoral program tends to include quite a bit of stress that tends to be chronic. So here's another practical um, take-home tool for all the listeners. Think of some ideas. Go through the three G's and then walk and talk and see where that brings you. I love that. Yes, it, it's really important to take some time to yourself to to let it sit and to and I always find also that one way of, of talking it through is to explain it to a friend and you hear yourself. You don't necessarily want your friend's feedback or opinion. I mean, unless they're they're brilliant, then of course, but. It's more that you're hearing yourself the way you would in talk therapy, explain what you're saying. So asking someone if they're willing to be your sounding board and maybe even setting that boundary up front. Hey, I've got this idea. Not sure I'm ready for any feedback on it. Just want to hear what it sounds like when I say it out loud. Yes, exactly. However, here's a caveat. You may not want somebody who's going to say that's not a good idea, no matter what you prelude with what your prelude is and if they're going to shut it down so be very careful about the person that you select to tell your idea to because either one they can just say that's not good you really shouldn't pursue that that's going to sell you don't want somebody doing that to you and so maybe there could be a peer or a family member or a co-worker that you have this agreement with you're each other's um i don't know Zip it, lock it, put it in the pocket, you know, sounding board where you're willing to sit there and smile and nod and just let them talk this out so that they can see how it sounds. Yes. And if there's nobody, record it on your phone. Do it, do it by yourself. Um, the one thing I'll say is that if it's a really amazing idea, you may need somebody to sign a non-disclosure agreement because it's your intellectual property. So you do have to be somewhat cautious. And I'm sure good friends will not steal anything from you. But you have to be careful, I think, sometimes with coworkers. I mean, unless you know them really, really well or somebody in the industry, you know, you have this new idea for uh, a lunch bag that can be reused 1,000 times and you even have the idea of the material, you have to be very careful about people signing a non-disclosure agreement. And, you know, Robin, that is actually a very important point because there are stories that run rampant in academia where people will say working in the lab together, someone has stolen an idea, a paper, a data set. So these are things that maybe we don't like to talk about so much, but they happen. They're part of reality. So be cautious with your sharing of your ideas. I loved this idea of recording on your phone. Now, I don't know if you're a... um, Grace and Frankie fan, but Frankie will advocate vlogging to herself, right? Where she just gets out the phone and says something out loud. And um, so now Robin Landa is saying, hey, if you don't have someone that you know you can absolutely trust who's willing to listen to you, your phone uh, may be a great strategy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, talking out loud really, I guess, uses other parts of the brain and then you can hear yourself. Yeah, it might be awkward <laughs> if you're, uh, you know, working from home and your family and your your partner are wondering why you're talking to yourself. But self-talk does have a lot of benefits. 
And I would even say as a writer to read your, what you're writing aloud, because you can hear, uh, whether it's flowing, you can hear whether it's making sense. I always, especially if there's a passage I'm unsure about, I always read it out loud to myself. And, you know, one of the guests recommended, and I had never done this before, I actually didn't even realize it was an option on my computer, but most word programs now can read, you can click a button and it reads it to you. And I found that interesting because sometimes I will put in words or correct my writing if I'm reading it. And so maybe what I've written isn't exactly what it is that I'm trying to articulate, but if I hear it from another voice, kind of sit back, close my eyes and listen to it, I can really understand the areas I need to go back and refine. Yes, exactly. And especially if you're writing your abstract, that's really critical that you have to communicate very quickly in, in, in X number of words. So that really should be, you should read it aloud. Yeah, the abstract, I will constantly say to students, this is the most read piece of your work. People may not move on past your abstract, right? It is your your 15-second elevator speech. It's got to be clear, concise, and really portray the essence of what it is that you did. And it's going to, it's the thing that's going to get you into a publication. Yeah. Well, Robin, any last hints or tips or tricks you would want to share with doctoral students in terms of unlocking their creative potential to come up with these worthwhile ideas? Yes, I would say that you should be a mindful listener and a mindful observer. And by mindful, I know people throw that word around, but I really mean attentive, really look at things, think about things, observe things. And when somebody listens, especially taking multiple perspectives from a diverse group of people so that you're as inclusive as possible because you're going to get ideas that are different than yours or feedback that's different than yours. And then lastly, if you're having difficulty generating idea, it's not you, it's the system you're using. And so you really want to find a system that allows you to generate the most worthwhile ideas. Again, two great tips, that mindful listening and really being aware, especially in a chapter two, it's so important that you prove to your committee that you provide evidence, you understand the dialogue that's happening. Really, it's a conversation of different viewpoints. It's not this one-sided, slanted, I'm proving this. Yes. Yes. And that's why it's important to get multiple perspectives before that so that you like sort of an a fortiori testing before you walk in there. Yeah. And you could use the what if you could write a paragraph and go, and what if someone found something different? Hey, maybe somebody did. Right. I see students getting trapped and just finding articles and publications to support the one viewpoint. You kind of start down this path and you forget oh, there was a fork in the road and I could be getting just as many articles finding something slightly different or coming at it through a different theoretical framework or model. So this mindful awareness and listening, especially to your committee and your faculty, when they may be encouraging you to think outside the box or look beyond what you've already presented. Exactly. And then there is hope if you feel like, darn it, I just can't come up with an idea that's worthwhile here, that's worth investigating. Now you've got Robin's process. 
the three G's, the goal, the gap, and the gain. So don't blame yourself. Blame whatever system you've been using and try something new. Exactly. That's great. Thank you, Heather. So Robin, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you and find your books. Everything is available on your website, robinlanda.com. I'll be sure to have the link in the show notes. But also for all you faculty out there listening, of course, you could get Robin's book or maybe there are multiple books out there that would be of interest. Through the publisher, you could get a free desk copy. So again, I'll make sure I have that link in the show notes. So Robin, I want to thank you so much for being on today's show and sharing so many practical takeaways that I know have been valuable to my audience. It's been wonderful to speak with you, Heather. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, if you're looking for more ways to invite joy in your journey, check out the free resources at expandyourhappy.com. You'll find downloads like an article I wrote titled The Doctoral Journey, 12 things you need to know that they probably won't tell you. You'll also find a PDF that organizes all podcasts by the seven steps detailed in the Happy Doc Student Handbook, which you can also find on the website. Finally, if you're looking for a Happy Doc Student swag, I've got that too. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. And if you want to make my day, rate and review so that together we can change the way doctoral education is delivered and experienced. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.